Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome back, bud, to the Drop Pass Podcast. As the title tells, it's time to wrap up the first half of the current NHL season in How we are going to execute that today is by allocating only 32 minutes for all 32 teams. So I guess this is a perfect time to shout out Jeff Marek, Elliot Friedman and the 32 Thoughts podcast for giving me the inspiration for today's show. But as you can tell, we are on the clock here today and since there ain't no time to waste, we are going to leave the chit chat to the side and start making our way to this week's racetrack. So... Put on your seatbelt, clinch up your ass cheeks, and get ready for full throttle all throughout this week's episode. Without further ado, let's get go. All right, ladies, ladyboys, cowboys, gentlemen, whatever the heck floats your boat. Like I said, today we are going to take a quick glance at the ongoing NHL season and point our crosshairs exactly to the first half from October all the way to the current day in order to picture where we stand, what the future might hold and all that jazz. And how we are going to do it is basically by crunching this section to 30 minutes or so. So don't expect to hear any long-winded takes on any of the upcoming franchises. We will start from Anaheim as usual, and we should end up in Winnipeg to close things out, but we might as easily split the path and find ourselves on the KHL at the end, so I ain't gonna promise you anything, but that's at least what we are going for, and now that I've made that pretty clear, I think we should just get this thing underway so that we don't end up passing the time limit, because the dame herself won't be too happy if I end up screwing up our dinner reservation. So, start the timer. Here we go. The Ducks. Like I said in the season previews, I didn't expect this team to be near the top of the Pacific standings when all was said and done. And pretty much their season so far has went as I calculated. Strong start, lots of promise, but by the time the All-Star break starts to creep in, they've started to focus on the upcoming draft and that's exactly the way I would summarize the first half of their NHL season. Frankie Vatrano deservedly got nominated to the All-Star game. He's been their spark plug and one of the more noticeable players on the ice each night. And pretty much the same can also be said about their last summer's top pick, Leo Carlson, who has showcased his soft hands and elusive stick skills throughout this year's NHL campaign. Their attendees once again have been left on an island on more than one occasion, so all in all, their youngsters bring lots of promise for their future, but so far, no significant changes can be seen to their previous few campaigns. The Yotes have hands down been one of the more surprising teams of this year's regular season and while I figured that they would cause some headache for the big hitters of the league, I wasn't necessarily expecting them to realistically be fighting for playoff spots at the halfway point, so kudos for them for that and if I had to point out the names that have had the biggest impact on this success story so far, I would name their offensive leader Clayton Keller who's been as good as in recent years. Goaltender Connor Ingram, who's been a beast on their blue paint with remarkable five shoutouts to this date, plus depth additions, Sean Dursey, Nick Bukestad, Jason Zucker, and Alex Gerford, who have strengthened their weakest middle six from years past. Dylan Genther has also started to take on a bigger role on their lineup and the numbers back that up, so 
we could end up seeing an upset if this pesky Oz team keeps on rolling and isn't one of the teams selling at this year's trade deadline. Boston has made me look absolutely stupid this year with their performance, so first and foremost, I have to take the mega L for saying that they were going to miss the playoffs, and although it is still possible in theory, they are currently the top team in the league with 69 points with Vancouver, so pretty much they would need to lose Marchi, McAvoy, and Pasta all at the same time in order for that to happen. And honestly, that might not be even enough when considering how good their goaltending has been all throughout this year's NHL campaign. Their decor has as well been rock solid and they have the second lowest goals against per 60 total and if you have guys like Pasta running things on offense, spiced up by a tremendous season from Charlie Coyle and Trent Frederick, this ends up being the end result. Playoff bound, deadline time is going to be interesting so keep your eyes and ears open and stay tuned for any new updates from my side. The El Tor also continues to Buffalo since the Sabres have been one of the more disappointing teams at least for me during this year's campaign and like I expected, Devon Levi's rookie season hasn't been paid by rose petals and cotton candy like many expected when heading into this season. Their backline and blue paint just lack the playoff competence and when your offense pretty much pancakes to start things off, you quickly fall towards the bottom of the standings and since it doesn't seem like we're about to witness any miracle runs from them, they might as well start to prepare themselves for another offseason full of doubt and draft lottery, so at least currently it looks like last year was just an anomaly in their entire NHL existence. They have no consistency in their game and lack the real grade from their game, so unfortunately it also seems like that Casey Middlestats and JJ Paterka's terrific breakout years will end up going to waste, so the question will be, wait, or get active. Let me know what you think about their current situation. Next up we got Calgary and the Flames are still in it despite a recent four game losing streak and one of the worst power plays in the entire league. Jonathan Huberdo's value keeps on plummeting and in all honesty he has already entered himself to the worst contracts in the NHL debate. Jacob Markstrom has kept them afloat and has continued his trend of a bad year, followed up by a good year. Meanwhile, Connor Zary has finally made his way into their top six and is showing us why I've mentioned his name multiple times in this podcast and been waiting for his entry to the Flames NHL roster. Jäger Sarangovic and Blake Coleman have stepped up in the absence of Hubie, but overall, at the moment, it's hard for me to see them making the playoffs with all the shenanigans going on in the background. Plus, of course, the current problems that they are currently fighting against. Carolina up ahead next, and no, the goaltending issue hasn't gone anywhere despite them acquiring Spencer Martin from the waiver list. Pietr Kachetkov, who seemed to steal the show, got injured. There's still no timeline for Freddy's return, and if they put Antiranta back in their crease, they might as well give the points for the opposing team on most nights, so... Lots of question marks still looming around the air regarding the question, how exactly are they going to solve this problem before we start talking playoff hockey? Sebastian Ajo has taken over as the leader in North Carolina, and Svech's comeback has been a solid one on the numbers side, but still I feel that they are going to need something extra from their GM Don Waddell at the deadline, because they need more numbers on the board, and especially a pure goal scorer could fix some holes in their current dilemma, so 
it's a lot to ask for, but a necessary task in my opinion, because we can't see another postseason performance out of them where a fault line grinder is your top score, plain and simple. And oh yeah, by the way, Burnsy and Orlov, wake the fuck up. You guys have been sleeping for 50 games already, so get it together offensively. Chicago has been a one-man show ever since Taylor Hall got injured, so no surprises there. Peter Mrazek has increased his own stock and deservedly got a multi-year extension from their GM Carl Davidson, but all in all, the young guns are currently feeling the wind in Illinois as the team prepares itself for another goal at a first overall selection. Colorado up next, and can you perhaps guess what I'm about to say? Yep, nothing new to Mile High City. Nate Dogg is ripping the league apart with an MVP-worthy pace. Meanwhile, Kale McCarr is back on the Norris hunt, and Mikko Rantanen is heading for another plus 100-point season, so nothing new to Colorado, as you probably guessed. Few things concern me, though, and they are linked to the previous trio in addition to their netminder Alexander Georgiev. First off, with this pace, Georgiev is going to be dead by the time playoffs roll around because he has played that much and his recent performances have started to reflect that as well, so they need to add a competent backup on his side ASAP. Secondly, the same thing also applies to the trio who's been carrying the Avs to this point, so unless they find the second win from the rest of their lineup, they are bound to burn to the ground in the first round if these guys play a full near NHL campaign with these minutes and have to keep carrying the team through the playoffs as well. So, with that being said, I would suggest you either start pushing the brakes a bit on that or start looking for new additions because even these guys have their limits and you already witnessed that during last year's postseason. Sam Gerrard's comeback has been much needed and I believe when Arthur Lehkonen eventually makes his comeback to their lineup, the minutes will be allocated a bit better, so... At least I'm hoping that Bednar realizes this as well and makes some adjustments before the big three completely burns out. Ryan Johansson has been a no-show so far, so he could become one of the bigger buyout candidates at some point if it comes down to that. Meanwhile, my dark horse Jonathan Duran has been lighting it up as of late at least, so he's another name that could ease the workload of the big two at least to a certain extent. So all in all, quite a few questions still left to be answered before the playoffs, but as long as the big three stays healthy, the Avs are going to be a lethal team to face, and that also carries over to playoffs once we get down to business. The Blue Jackets are a complete train wreck, and if I'm completely honest, I've now reached a point where I'm truly starting to lose hope despite all the assets they've gathered in recent years. You gotta realize that gathering the assets is just a portion of the big picture, and when you look at how far the Jackets are from even making the playoffs, you gotta start thinking if time is the only thing they currently need at this stage. They've almost become the new age Buffalo Sabres where there's always hope for them thanks to a fruitful prospect pool, but you gotta make the environment suitable to get these guys up to NHL pace and to truly start gearing up towards becoming impactful players for your franchise. Right now, you already have a handful of first and second rounders on your lineup, but at least I ain't seen any significant changes to years past. 
Patrick Laine is yet again surrounded by trade rumors and Johnny Hockey is just coasting out there and is paid 9.75 in order to do so. So start the goddamn retooling from your front office and get the right guys in the big positions in order to start steering this trash towards a brighter future because right now what we are seeing isn't good enough and that should be the point of view of their owners and team executives as well, at least in my opinion. The Russian kid line at least brings some promise, but on a league-wide level, that's pennies compared to millions. So see if you can find a landing spot for Elvis and Provi and start disassembling the current leadership team all the way from GM to head coach in order to get this team where it was supposed to be already years earlier. The Stars, on the other hand, are a wagon just like I expected in the preseason, and even despite not having their first stringer Jake Ottinger between their pipes, They've been able to stay in the hunt for the central stop spot and look menacing for the upcoming playoffs. Matt Duchesne has been a big addition for the Stars bunch, while Thomas Harley has completely pushed Ryan Suter to the third pairing with his play. So, overall, not much to complain about as this team starts to gear up for another Stanley Cup chase. The Wings who bursted out the gates have started to cool off a bit, but thanks to their explosive start are still on the hunt for a playoff ticket out in the East. They have 7-2-1 record from the last 10 games, and Alex Lyon has stolen the crease from his counterparts Reimer and Husa with tremendous .923 save percentage and two shutouts from 19 games, so it remains to be seen what Iserman ends up doing with their Finnish netminder, who has completely dropped the ball when it comes to starting role in Motor Town. Lucas Raymond has rebounded nicely from his sophomore season, while Captain Larkin and Cat alongside their newest addition Patty Kane have continued to fire on all cylinders, so they could be in for the long ride if they manage their assets correctly at this year's NHL trade deadline. But how about the fucking Edmonton Oilers? God damn, they are back and at a perfect time. The two-headed monster has woken up from its coma and the Oils are currently feasting with a 15-game win streak. Look out Western Conference, you didn't want this to happen. Yes, their defense and goaltending still ain't world-class, but when you get McMagician, German 16-wheeler and Evan Bouchard pushing point-per-game numbers to the oven, you couldn't care less as an Oils fan when it's all about regular season hockey. Calvin Picard has tabled his name in their locker room and Stuart Skinner has dragged up his numbers as well, so by the looks of it, Jack Campbell has no business in trying to get his ass back in the big league, at least for the foreseeable future. Oh yeah, and tell me Leafs fans, how overrated do you think Jack Hyman is, just by looking at his current point total? Asking for a friend. And if the Stars were a wagon in the West, so are the Cats in the East, and at this point it shouldn't be that surprising if we see them heading to the postseason as the number one team from at least the Atlantic Division. Reinhardt is having a career year and will cash in next summer when he heads to the negotiation table. Goaltending has been decent so far, and even defensively they've been one of the league's top teams, so I bet it feels pretty good to be a Cats fan at this stage of the current NHL season. Aaron Ekblad and Brandon Motor, though, haven't quite found their groove offensively after coming back from their lengthy injuries, and even Matthew Kachuk has left few dots on the table, so those aspects could be something that might raise some concerns amongst the cat clouder. 
But all in all, the team looks poised for another cup run and show that by presenting us with extremely entertaining hockey on nightly basis. The City of Angels, though, is currently in the eye of the storm for multiple different reasons. Drew Doughty is calling out teammates for selfish behavior. Todd McClellan is failing the fire under his ass not only because of their current 2-5-3 record from their last 10 games, but also for giving some shit to their new addition, P.L. Dubois, who's been horrendous this year with a team that just signed him to a lucrative 8x8 contract last year. So it ended over-exaggeration to say that the Hollywood drama has landed into Crypto.com Arena as well. They've been struggling on home ice, offense has dried up from the fiery start, defense isn't as bulletproof as expected anymore, and even Cam Talbot's numbers have experienced quite a hit, so could this possibly push this team over the edge when the games count the most, or could we end up seeing them slip outside of the playoff picture even before all the eggs have hatched? Because I'm pretty certain of the fact that David Riddick won't be the one carrying them to the playoffs if everything else falls to shit during the final 30 or so games of the regular season. Pick your poison and let me know if you still have belief in the King's Punch that was labeled as one of the cup contenders on many people's preseason packages. Minnesota, though, has been a team that has been facing the effects of a slow start to their season and their playoff odds have started to dwindle down because of it. And if you're looking into the future, you just can't be too confident about them making it to the last dance when you know that their top defenseman is already lined out for the season and even their goaltending situation hasn't gotten really that much better since the start, so even though the point difference to the Preds who currently man the last remaining wildcard spot is just 6 points, that could end up being enough to separate them from the playoffs when all 82 games have been played. Youngsters Brock Faber and Marco Rossi fortunately have brought some promise to their situation, and especially Faber has increased his odds for the Calder as the season has progressed, so Really tough to see what we should expect from this club in the second half of the season, but if I would throw in a guess, I would say that they remain in the hunt until the final few straws and end up pushing few teams out of their way on their path towards the postseason, if they can find enough offense, and that's a big if in the current circumstances. The Montreal Canadiens are waiting for another go at the draft table, so nothing has really changed from that aspect, and more than likely we end up seeing them sell names Monaghan and even Allen at the deadline, because they got nothing in play when it comes to postseason action itself. Cole Caulfield's scoring struggles have been a hot topic around the Habs fans, but as of late, he's been able to notch a few more markers on his stat sheet, which has calmed down the most enthusiastic fans at least for now. And like I've said previously on this show, I've been pleasantly surprised by Sam Montembeau's numbers, which isn't that big of a deal in the big picture because I can't see him as their starter once they start to advance from the current rebuilding window. And lastly, I gotta say that I've also been happy with the progress we've seen out of Juraj Slavkovsky because although he still isn't celebrating with too many points, he has started to use his size more effectively and with that, has also started to see more scoring opportunities around the crease area. So, all in all, I'm still curiously waiting what the future ends up holding for my Le Habitants and if they aim to stay patient with all the assets they've gathered within recent years. The Brits are in the thick of it in the central despite my doubts and could easily find themselves from the playoffs if they continue playing like this for the rest of their regular season.
Tiff found success even despite Jusas Aros not having himself a Vesna-level season with veterans like Ryan O'Reilly, Roman Josi and Gustav Nyquist leading the charge next to their young guard, Ofluk Evangelista, Tommy Novak and Phil Tomasino. So overall, I would say an impressive result so far and even bigger one if the Preds team ends up investing at the deadline and finds its way to the playoffs on top of all else. The Devils are at a crossroad. Who to acquire to their crease in order to actually make them a threatening foe for the Lord Stanley? Because their current tandem of Vanacek and Smith ain't enough, and you can even throw in Nico Dawes' name as well, and it doesn't change the outcome at all. But that ain't the only thing they need to figure out, because their defense has also taken a step back from last year and has started to resemble the times when we saw them getting spanked by more than four goals on some given nights. Dougie Hamilton's absence doesn't ease the pain much either, and if we move towards their forward core, you can see that, for example, names Meyer and Palad are nowhere near the level they are expected to be alongside their modern, young, and fast forward core. So when you have the six highest goals against per 60 in the league, thanks to leaky defense and spotty goaltending, and you spice it up by a few freeloaders on offensive duties, you have positioned yourself into quite a tough situation and you may, or in fact, must do some major adjustments in order to get yourselves back to a level you were a year ago when you were fighting for the Lord Stanley against the Rangers and the Hurricanes. And would you look at that? A typical Islander season is unfolding right in front of our very own eyes. Top six getting it done offensively when they aren't defending 55 minutes a night, Pelek and Pullock both sunlight for a significant amount of time, and a great goaltending keeping them in games when they decide to put the hedgehog gear on against some of the more offensive teams in the league. Were you surprised? Well, I certainly wasn't, but what has certainly surprised me is the fact that to this point, Semyon Varlamov has outplayed Ilya Sorokin, and in fact, Sorokin's numbers have been quite mid compared to past few Vesna-worthy seasons. And while giving it to the Isles, I gotta give some respect to Noah Dobson, who's been an absolute beast on their blue line, but also to Matt Barzal and Bo Horvat, who've carried the offense for the Isles so far this season. Horvat especially has gotten back to his Vancouver Day numbers, and I've been glad that at least as of yet, we can't say that his extension ended up being a complete waste, but there's still plenty of time for that to happen, and with the way Lou runs his business, I'm sure that he's able to run his train off the course as well, so let's just wait two or three more years. Dead scoring is still missing from the Isles, which shouldn't surprise you one bit if you just take a glance at their bottom six, but since Anders Lee enjoys top six minutes, I gotta say that he has to be better as their captain, because 19 points in 48 games just isn't enough. And that's all plain and simple. So in a nutshell, if you enjoy watching the paint dry, try your luck with some Isles hockey because not that many names on that lineup bring you out of your seat by any means. But in a perfect Isles fashion, they are still not out of it when it comes to playoff hockey. Their city rival New York Rangers though ended the year 2023 as one of the best teams in the NHL, but pretty much as the calendar flipped over to 2024, they began to struggle and the Rangers fans have openly expressed their dissatisfaction with their team's current form. They hold a record of 3-6-1 from the last 10 games, so the concern around the team is valid, especially while having one of the league's best power plays. 
but despite their current form of play and just jerky's declining numbers, I still wouldn't press the panic button because pretty much every team goes through these sorts of slumps and you gotta remember that it's always better to have them way before the playoffs, so I still have full belief in their playoff chances and that they can clinch the division title because the teams behind them have their own issues to deal with and have at least, in my opinion, bigger fish to fry at the moment, so I will still sleep my nights well as a Rangers fan, but if this continues for much longer, then I would start to consider reaching towards the beat rack button before we've gone past the deadline and everything is locked to its place before we hit the final stretch. So an interesting second half coming up for the Big Apple reps and especially an intriguing deadline that should see one or two names heading to New York, but who knows, maybe they get back on track and there's no need to make any significant changes before the postseason arrives. But that optimism dies fast since my Dark Horse playoff team for this year, aka the Ottawa Senators, have completely shut the bed and currently sit last in the entire Atlantic Division. The former GM of the Sens, Pierre Dorian, just said last year that the rebuild had officially come to its end and that the team would take the next step towards becoming a playoff team again. So now when we're looking at the results, we can safely conclude that this wasn't supposed to happen. Dorian was relieved from his duties, head coach DJ Smith was also thrown out, so the house cleaning had officially begun in Canada's capital. Last year's offseason acquisition Jonas Korpisalo certainly isn't playing up to his new contract at the moment, and their entire defensive structure is like game of where's Waldo with the fourth highest goals against per 60 in the league, so at this point, you gotta start looking for answers from within because they've added names to their backline and still, this issue keeps on coming up. And what's actually so puzzling in their current situation is the fact that so far they've been one of the most effective teams on the offensive front with the league's second highest goals for per 60, so it is obvious that they shouldn't be nowhere near the bottom of the standings with such an effective offensive touch, but that's the current reality, and since their playoff hopes have already faded to dust, they better just start focusing on the trade deadline and then to the upcoming entry draft, in order to at least gain something from this horror show called the NHL regular season. The Flyers have without a doubt surprised us all with their play this year, and it's all because of their rugged and demanding veteran coach John Tortorella and his gritty, four-line, all-hands-on-dick playstyle. Owen Tibet has truly blossomed offensively in the city of brotherly love. Sean Couturier's comeback has been nothing besides magnificent, while names Sanheim, Frost and even Walker have found another gear to their game within the past 50 or so games, so it's been remarkable how good the Flyers have been this year with the roster they have assembled. They also just added Jamie Drysdale to their backline, who has already showed some promise on the right side. Meanwhile, young Yegor Samula has solidified his spot in their top six, so all in all, their strong cohesive play has enabled their individuals to stand out and all of a sudden, their situation ain't looking that grim anymore. Or might there be something lurking in the shadows? I would say so. Carter Hart is out. No one knows for how long. We might get answers within the next week or so and I'm going to jump on that topic once we hear some official news, so... If they don't address that issue before the deadline and Samuel Erson has to carry the torch for the Flyers, I think their playoff hopes might die down quite quickly because they are already on a five-game losing streak and are only a handful of points away from the teams currently chasing them in the standings. 
So that's one area of concern for the second half. And another one is their power play because so far it's been hot garbage. And if they realistically want to fight for a playoff spot, that needs to change their just no way around. Their state rival Pittsburgh Penguins have played 500 hockey all throughout this year's campaign and because of it find themselves from the second to last spot in the Metropolitan Division. Sidney Crosby is carrying the team on his broad shoulders and honestly should be one of the nominees for the heart at the end of 82 games just because of the way he's been dominating at the age of 36 and some praise should be guided towards their attendees Jari and Adelkovic as well because they've been able to keep them in games they otherwise wouldn't have any business of being. The age factor has just started to show more and more amongst this bunch and the old coast-to-coast -coast type of pen sponge is nowhere to be found and that also shows in their recent 3-4-3 three, three record. And part of that is also the fact that yes, they got defensemen on their lineup but more often than not, it's a fact that they lack defensemen that can and actually want to keep their neck clean. So also since their power play has been ass all throughout this year's campaign, right now it's hard for me to see them in the playoff picture with all these issues listed above. They still have to figure out what they're going to do with Jake Kenzel and Ricard Raquel's name has found its way to the trade rumors as well thanks to his extremely underwhelming offensive numbers. So their second half is going to be interesting to watch because right now the only way I see them getting there is through major changes and because they got Mr. Baller, aka Carl Dubas in their big office, that's completely in the realm of possibilities. So let's see what kind of ace of spades he has hidden in his Armani suit pockets. The Sharks are still on the Celebrini train so nothing new on that front. Their captain Logan Couture finally made his season debut this week and is going to be a big help on offense for Mikael Granlund and Thomas Hurdle, who've been their offensive cogs all throughout the last 50 or so games. Additionally, youngsters William Eklund and Fabian Sederlund have brought their own ingredients into the mix as well, but it also has to be said that Anthony Duclair and Alex Barabanov haven't quite lived up to their expectations offensively and thus have lost a lot of trade value on the market. But overall, as expected, they've been the almost automatic point machine for the rest of the teams in the league, and I don't expect that to change much as we head towards the most important moment of their season, the NHL 2024 entry draft. This year we've seen a shell of the Seattle Kraken we saw in last year's playoffs and the team's playoff hopes have pretty much stayed alive just because of their goaltender Joey Decord and his sublime stat line of 0.920 save percentage, 2.37 goals against average and two shutouts from 32 games to top it all off. They haven't been able to effectively find the back of the net on constant basis and guys like Matty Beniers and Andre Burakovsky have been some of the names that need to be better on the back end if they fathom feeling the playoff atmosphere once again in the Climate Pledge arena. What they can do perhaps at the deadline to make themselves better is an intriguing question because they certainly need to address their scoring problem given that it's going to be another hard-fought battle for the wildcard spots in the West alone this year. And one of the teams still in that race is the St. Louis Blues, but for how long will that last is another question waiting to be answered, because the way their game has been trending recently doesn't necessarily support the idea that we should be seeing them in the postseason, given all the obstacles they are currently facing. 
for starters, like the Kraken, their offense for the most part has been extremely dry and pretty much just the trio of Thomas, Bushnevich and Karu has kept their numbers up this year, so they are going to need more from the rest of their forward core if they fancy seeing themselves in the postseason at the end of 82 games. And pretty much that also applies to their entire decor, which hasn't been able to bring much offensively while being like an open barn doors on their own end. And since their netminders haven't been total world beaters to this point, it's really hard for me to see them in the playoff picture when the postseason action kicks off, so I'm expecting them to sell at the deadline and even to continue doing so once the offseason 2024 actually rolls around. So overall, very mediocre first half for the Blues, but still, they somehow are in the mix when it comes to wildcard tickets. The Bolts are currently right where they are supposed to be, but despite it, some concerns are still attached to them and they have to stay on their heels for the rest of the regular season in order to clinch a playoff spot due to a tight gaps between playoff and the non-playoff teams in the East. Nikita Kucherov leads the league in points with almost two points per game average and without a doubt deserves some hard votes when all is said and done. And as custom, the Bolts' power play has so far been lights out, so it's easy to see why they haven't fallen off like I expected to happen in the preseason predictions. Top Gun's point, Stammer and Headman have been lights out as well, and Brandon Hagel has carved himself an even bigger role in their lineup, and his current stat line of 43 points in 50 games also tells the story. But on the other side of the puck, they've been lacking and one of the main reasons for that are the injuries they've dealt with, like many other organizations in the league. They've allowed 5th most goals against per 60 in the league and although Andrei Vasilevsky has made his comeback into their crease, the numbers haven't gotten much better despite it and the defensive issues could come to haunt them if not addressed before we start to close down to the postseason hockey period. So although it's kind of hard to see them missing the playoffs with Vasi protecting their crease and their top guns firing on all cylinders, they still have to address their defensive issue alongside some depth concerns, so I wouldn't necessarily say that they can just cruise their way to the postseason this year once again. It is going to be interesting to see how exactly Brisbois eventually addresses these few issues and if they can improve their 5-on-5 play once the All-Star break has passed. So somewhat similar season thus far to their last one, but certainly we haven't seen the same ball script than years prior. But there are multiple reasons for that, and I've addressed them on multiple occasions in this show before, so let's just move on to the final few teams of the episode. The Leafs are currently in a very similar situation where their top names have provided them enough offense to stay above the playoff line, but... Some serious concerns are still weighing down on their expectations that should be familiar to us already from prior seasons. Depth has once again become an issue in Toronto, where the offseason additions Max Domi and Tyler Bertuzzi haven't been able to just step in and bring their A-game like was expected to happen. Meanwhile, youngster Matthew Nice has failed to make a lasting impression to their coaching staff and because of it, hasn't claimed the top six spot that was reserved for him before the NHL regular season kicked off. On top of that, their defense still doesn't scream confidence to any of their fans, and when you add to that their goaltending question, you have a pretty nice cake of uncertainty ready to be baked before the postseason actually kicks off. 
I honestly expect to see another bunch of changes before the deadline clock stops running and overall I'm just going to repeat what I said last year, which was, this was the best Leafs team I've seen in years and this might have been their best chance of reaching the cup finals in quite a long time. So pretty mid-performance thus far and I see quite a bumpy road ahead of them for the remaining portion of the regular season. The Canucks though have been on fire throughout this year's NHL campaign and they certainly are seen as one of the top contenders to hoist the cup once we head towards the playoffs. This is exactly what the Canucks fans have been hoping for for years now and when you see Pedersen, Miller, Besser and especially Quinn Hughes work their magic, you can't but admit that sometimes something starts to grow in your pants. Am I right? Thatcher Demko has been a break wall between their pipes and Casey Desmith has been in the lead backup so far behind him. Meanwhile, names Jacoda Joshua, Theo Bluger, Connor Garland and Pew Suter have assembled one of the best shutdown lines of this year's NHL campaign, so what more could you really ask for? Well, Kuzmenko's sophomore season has been a disappointing one and the hope is that he can pick up the pace before the playoffs kick off. And in case he doesn't, he could become an intriguing trade bait at the deadline for a team selling, but all in all, I'm happy to see the Canucks finally breaking out and dominating after so many years of misery. And I'm really interested to see how far this flight will eventually lead once we hit the next portion of the NHL campaign. It has been quite a typical Vegas-esque season for the Knights this year, where we've seen some injuries to key players and others needing to step up in their absence, but Overall, the champs are still considered as one of the top teams to beat for the Lord Stanley. And there are good reasons for that despite the yearly injury concerns. Mark Stone has been their offensive leader this year and most of their other offensive cogs have been delivering, but one name that needs to be pointed out at this point while we're in the topic of offensive contributors is Chandler Stevenson, who is a pending UFA this summer and most of us were expecting him to rack up nice totals in his final remaining contract year, but so far, the speedy winger hasn't been able to do that and half a point per game numbers won't necessarily lead you to the big negotiation table. So for his sake, I really hope that he has a big ending to his regular season. Or otherwise, GM Kelly McGrimmon uses his discount code at the checkout or even lets him walk for free in the summer if he doesn't show why he deserves the big bucks next offseason. But all in all, the champs are in a good place right now and don't necessarily have to make huge changes before the playoffs and should rather just focus on the depth side of their lineup and what's most important for them is to get Jack Eichel and Shea Theodore back in their lineup before another push starts at the end of 82 games. The Caps have been trending down as of late and just like the Pens, it's currently hard for me to see them as a playoff team all things considered because they've been one of the worst teams in the league in creating scoring chances and their total of 1.95 goals for per 60 is pretty telling that they've just nearly avoided the trenches they've gone by so far this year. The main storyline for them this year has been the steep decline of Alexander Ovechkin's scoring numbers, and it seems almost utopistic that the grade 8 has just 9 goals in 44 games this year. That's rough. And with the way his season has gone so far, the hunt for Gretzky's goal-scoring record might have become just that much harder to reach, so we'll see if he's able to improve his numbers after the All-Star break or 
if we've just witnessed him becoming mortal and fading into the masses when it comes to goal scoring in the National Hockey League. Good thing for the Caps is the fact that Max Pacioretty has finally made his return to their lineup and already has 7 dots in 12 games. And also the funny thing is that although their starter Darcy Kemper hasn't been able to stop Bucks like in prior years, their backup Charlie Lindgren has been able to keep them in games on most nights and thus deserves some credit for their current result. Yevgeny Kuznetsov's time in DC seems to be dwindling down and I would be really surprised if we didn't see him getting traded from Washington before the deadline for a few lottery tickets because he's been that mid. So much like the Pens, right now it's hard for me to see them in the playoffs and I think I ain't the only one thinking this way. And lastly, we got Central's powerhouse Winnipeg Jets who have surprised many fans with their straight-up defensive domination this year. They are currently rocking a plus 41 goal difference and you shouldn't be that surprised by the fact that their 5-on-5 defense has improved under the watchful eye of Rick Bonus. And what exactly has made them so lethal this year is a pure total of allowing the least amount of odd man rushes against, having Jennings-worthy tandem between your pipes, and overall, tight-knit group that doesn't just rely on its Vesna-level goaltender on defense. Top names Connor, Ehlers, Shifley, Perfetti and Villardi have delivered offensively, and even their off-season addition Vladnan Mesnikov has made his mark on their score sheet, so all in all, the Jets have delivered on all fronts, and we're about to witness another wideout in Winnipeg, and this time, I hope, with better results. So that's pretty much the run-through of each team's first half of the hockey season, and as I said, the pace is only going to pick up once again once we pass the All-Star break in just a week, and overall I would say that this year's campaign at least so far has been tighter than what I was expecting, and purely because of it, I'm expecting first and foremost quite a hectic deadline time when you take into consideration all the one-year deals that were signed last summer, but also the small margins between playoff and non-playoff teams. Plus, secondly, a brutal battle for the available playoff tickets for all teams involved. So, by the looks of it, we are in for another juicy end for the regular season and I'll be the one covering it all. So, you better stop by each week to stay on track with the action across the Atlantic Ocean. But that's all for today. I hope you enjoyed this quick NHL recap episode. In the next coming weeks, I plan on updating you on the most recent Hockey Canada controversy, which is also linked to a handful of NHL players. But my plan is also to give my final thoughts on the new NHL All-Star concept. So remember to stop by again next week to stay on track with all that's happening over in North America. Thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate you for taking the time. Have an awesome week, you beauty. Stay tuned, stay safe, until next time.